Lots of righteousness tends to belong So keep your love on, on Welcome to the Get Your Love On podcast. This show is dedicated to the family of faith around the globe. In each episode, we learn how to simply walk with God in all His awesome love, incredible power, and authority. It's straightforward, and it's straight from the Word. We have free resources for you at getyourloveon.org. That includes free Bible studies and an amazing free video series, all there to answer your questions, build your faith, and of course, we'd love to hear from you. You can always reach out to us by going to getyourloveon.org. We have an amazing episode here, so let's go. Let it shine bright, 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 keep your love. It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. In order to hear the word of God, we must hear it by the Spirit. And in order to do the will of God, we must do it by the Spirit. It is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now, it's been revealed by the Holy Ghost to several of the saints, there's confirmation, that there are a number of souls being troubled by deaf and dumb spirits. Now, I'm talking about spirits here. I'm not talking about any kind of physical thing or anything like that. I'm talking about spirits and what's working in the spiritual realm. Now, this is not just an isolated or local problem. It's actually a global one, one that's gone out across the, the face of the earth. And it's one which we must take a strong stand against together in the unity of the Spirit. This is for us to band together and fight as one. Now, deaf and dumb spirits go together. The reason for this is that they both have the nature of hindering spiritual communication. Deaf spirits hinder spiritual input. Dumb spirits hinder spiritual output. So I'm just going to cover a few points here on how these spirits can affect a soul that's being afflicted by them. Deaf spirits can stop a soul from having faith. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Deaf spirits stop a soul from having compassion. Whoso stoppeth his ears at the cry of the poor, he also shall cry himself, but shall not be heard. Deaf spirits stop a soul from receiving instruction or correction. The Lord said this to Ezekiel, Son of man, thou dwellest in the midst of a rebellious house, which have eyes to see and see not. They have ears to hear and hear not. 
for they are a rebellious house. So there's rebellion attached to this as well. And Jesus gave us instruction on handling a deaf spirit within the church. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. If he shall hear thee. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. So there's an escalation there. There's a mercy of the Lord, but there's also an escalation if these spirits continue to take root in a soul. And what's the end result? Deaf spirits can cause a soul to lose their salvation. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me. He was speaking of Jesus Christ coming down the road from his time. Him shall you hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. It's quite a fearful thing. And the thing is, that prophet, Jesus Christ, that he speaks of, that's in each of us as the Holy Ghost. So when we speak as the oracles of God by the Holy Ghost, if we're not hearing one another, that's a, that's a problem. Now, dumb spirits go along with the deaf spirits. Here's some of the things dumb spirits do. Dumb spirits will stop a soul from calling on the Lord for deliverance. David wrote this in the Psalms. Give ear, O Lord, unto my prayer, and attend to the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble, I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. So if there's a dumb spirit stopping up the cry of someone's soul, how can those prayers and those supplications get out to the Lord? Now this is a spiritual thing. Someone can utter the words, but if there's a spirit behind and cutting off that communication in the spirit, well, that can stop things up. Mm -hmm. Dumb spirits stop a soul from answering the Lord when he calls them. Isaiah prophesied this. Yea, they have chosen their own ways, and their soul delighteth in their abominations. I also will choose their delusions, and will bring their fears upon them. Because when I called, none did answer. When I spake, they did not hear. But they did evil before mine eyes, and chose that in which I delighted not. So when the Lord calls for us, for anything, he expects us to answer him. Dumb spirits are associated with idolatry, worship of false gods. Here's what Habakkuk prophesied. What profiteth the graven image that the maker thereof hath graven it? The molten image and a teacher of lies that the maker of his work trusteth therein to make dumb idols. Woe unto him that saith to the wood, Awake, to the dumb stone, Arise, it shall teach. 
Behold, it is laid over with gold and silver, and there is no breath at all in the midst of it. So a dumb idol, it can have that very good outward appearance with all the gold and silver on top, but there's nothing in it. So if there's something in someone's heart and mind ahead of the Lord, that's idolatry, and that can stop up their spiritual walk, their spiritual communication. Dumb spirits stop a soul from exercising the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now those are listed out in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 11. And you can review each of those yourselves and see how many of them need to have a voice speaking by the Holy Ghost in order to use them. There's a little homework assignment for you. I'll give you a hint. It's all of them. Dumb spirits stop a soul from edifying themselves and from edifying the church. Paul wrote this, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. So if there's a dumb spirit that someone's afflicted by, that can stop up those tongues from being used at all. And when those tongues are stopped up, they can't edify themselves in the spirit because there's no communication with the Lord in the spirit. And Paul also wrote this, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. So a dumb spirit can also hold back a person from speaking as the oracle of God to the church in general and keep them from edifying and building up the brothers and sisters in the Lord. Deaf and dumb spirits can and will stop a soul or a family or a church or even an entire nation from ever hearing the Lord or doing his work. If they are not recognized, if they're not overcome, if they're not cast out and forbidden from returning, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Jesus said this about a dumb and deaf spirit. Why is that? Because deaf, deaf and dumb spirits hinder or cut off the communication between God and man. That's what they target. That means there's extra spiritual power that is needed to break through that interference. That's where the prayer and fasting comes in. The good news is we do have the Lord as our strength and as our advocate with the Father. And I'll leave that with you with these last couple of verses. Behold, this is the Lord speaking, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Thank you, Corey. What a beautiful and perfect outline of exactly what's happening and what we've seen unfolding on the grand scale and also in a very intimate way amongst the body. God is walking through the, across the entire face of the earth right now. He's walked in, into the camp and it does start first at the house of God. And he's going through and he's purging, he's cleaning. He's bringing things out. So what I'm going to do now is I am going to describe 
your outline of how to line up, how to gauge, am I handling this right? Am I doing this right? And what is it that's in front of my face? Or more importantly, what is it presenting to my mind? What is being presented to my mind? Because that's what starts it all. It's something will present itself to your mind. It'll either be God or it'll either be Satan himself and his minions. And if you listen to it, you've got to discern right then and there, is this God, friend or foe? If it's foe, shut it down and believe me, shut it down fast and shut it down hard. Reject it. Start praying in tongues. Start reading your word. Do something to replace and override it. So what I have today is I have a combination of scriptures because it is such a dire hour. I'll stress that. It's a dire hour. And it's a very sobering hour and a very necessary hour in order to go forward. So it's a combination of Brother David getting up at four in the morning and writing out on a little script all his scriptures. Sister Carol sending 11 pages that came out like bullets and the person taking notes couldn't keep up. The Spirit of God was passionate. I'll put it that way. And from the Lord visiting my soul and having to deal with certain things and watch it play out and having to go before God on our knees. David, Sister Carol, myself, Brother David, we're, have been on our knees. Lord, you know, we're, we're pushing for best outcome for all this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do the one that David and I did first with some excerpts from Sister Carol's because David and I, this one that you're going to get today is going to be the endeavor to reconcile. Sister Carol's slams the door. That comes directly from God if things don't change. So do let this go real deep in you. And we did all agree, let's do the reconciliation. Let's reach out, but warn the people and keep them safe. And you'll see why as I recount different things that I'm going to recount. I'm just preparing you for the journey we're going to take. And then if need be, the other scriptures, they are what they are. God is who he is and there's no mocking him. So I'm going to call this one, love your brother. Sweetheart, can I move this over? Yeah, I'll move this over here. Thank you, darling. Doesn't matter if you don't hear it or understand it first time. See, he waited and see how kind he was. And then he saw what I was at. He misstood what I was saying. And then he understood what I was saying and brought it right in. See, there's your walk. If you don't understand something, just wait a minute. God will give you the quick end to understand. Oh, okay. Yep, there. See how sweet that was? Boy, the Lord is good. All right. So in 1 John, he says, My little children, these things I write unto you that ye sin not. Do you see the incredible love God has over his people? He calls them little children. How much, when you see a child, the love is just so precious. And if any man sin, 
We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Now I'm going to break down what an advocate is because I want you, when you're faced with the situation, I want you to look inside yourself and examine yourself whether you be in the faith. Are you lining up with Jesus? An advocate, the strongest definition of advocate is an intercessor, a consoler, comforter. Summoned, called to one side, especially called to one's aid. Now an advocate is called to aid someone. One who pleads another ca another's cause before a judge. Who's the great judge before God? A pleader, counsel for defense, legal assistant, an advocate, one who pleads another cause with one, an intercessor of Christ in his exaltation at God's right hand. He's up with God now, pleading with God the Father for the pardon of our sins. He is that advocate. In the widest sense, a helper, securer, aid, assistant of the Holy Spirit destined to take the place of Christ with the apostles after his ascension to the Father. Once he goes up there, that Holy Christ, that Holy Spirit, is designed and destined to enter into those that are handpicked of God and take on the work. Be that representative of God and follow this exact outline to lead them to a deeper knowledge of the gospel, truth, not just any gospel, but the gospel truth, and give them divine strength needed to enable them to undergo trials and persecutions on behalf of the divine kingdom. You are going to have trials and you are going to feel persecution. You're going to go through things. But can you be that advocate that Jesus was for us, is still for us? Now we have taken up his, his work and we're to help those that are caught in sin and help those that stumble and get before God and say, okay, Lord, what do we do here? How do we approach this? What is needed? And take the time to dig it out. What am I seeing here? I mean, there's a lot of things involved. So remember that outline and think about it as we travel through the word. And as you travel from this moment on through your walk, how am I handling this situation? Always remember the number one thing is it's selfless. You've got to remove yourself out of the equation. You've got to go directly to God because Jesus didn't take up his own cause. He was there to help those that God gave him, any that would. All right. And he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also the sins of the whole world. He took it all on. Propitiation. The act of appeasing the wrath and conciliating the favor of an offended person. There, there they are. There it is. Jesus incarnate in flesh. If there has been an offense, he's going to try and reconcile. 
He's going to endeavor to reconcile the act of making propitious, propitious, kind, gracious, merciful, helpful, said of a person or a divinity. A divinity is the nature or essence of God, a deity, a deity of God, someone who has taken on and has been given by God that position to represent him. I see a room full of them as you walk along. And of course, by God's design, there is an order. Thank God for that. Because that order is put in place by God because of the proven works and that proven heart and that sincere diligence that will seek out the care of the church, not their own self. And I'm sure you've seen that play out. Okay. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth keepeth his word, the word of God, the way it's lined out exactly in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. When that love is being perfected, boy, challenged. You've got to be large. I'll give you a little hint. You certainly aren't easily offended. No, you're large. You're right away. If something's coming up and it's getting you a little tweaked, you're going, whoa, 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 whoa. Lord God, what is, what is this? What are you showing me? That's the first thing I would ask. What are you showing me? This seems a little bizarre. It seems a little hard. seems a little harsh. Whatever it is, if you're tripping over it, say, Lord, what are you showing me? Acknowledge God. A deaf and dumb spirit won't. But when you're in the right place, you're going to go right away. Lord, what are you showing me here? And go in deeper with him. Take your time. Don't need jerk react. Take your time. Go in deep. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. You have to walk. If you say you have Christ and you abide in him, you're walking the way he walked here. Remember that outline? That's your purpose. You're walking it here. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have known from the beginning. And again, a new commandment I write unto you, which things is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. Those old ways of handling things are gone. And there's a whole new light shone in your soul, in your mind, and in your understanding. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. There is a dark element that has worked you into a state where you no longer love the brethren. 
It could be just one person, something got in there and you began to listen to it. You began to listen to it. Next thing you know, whoosh, 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 around it goes and around it goes and then it grows and then it grows. And the next thing you know, you can't even stand to be around them. You don't even want to be around them. Where'd your love go? Your love left and that darkness snuffed it out with its spin, its angle that it could get on you. See, Jesus, his whole purpose was to help people bring them out from under sin. We're going to see an example of how he dealt with all these things. But that's how that love leaves. Some little something, whatever it is, got in there and you listen to it. And then it just gets going and it'll grow. We'll go into that more in a bit. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. He won't get offended. Even if his brother does something that may tweak the flesh, if the flesh is around, or may cause him to go, well, gee, that wasn't very nice, or whatever the flesh might react to. But when your love is full-blown in you, you will not stumble over their behavior. You won't stumble over their speech when they're anointed. You're not going to stumble over it. You're going to get a hold of God. You're going to intercede with him. And if you've seen that your brother is being caught in something that's not right, it's not lining up. If he's been caught in sin, what are you going to do? You're going to advocate with God. You're going to say, Lord God, uh, please show me what's going on. Are you showing me something or is my brother needing some help? All right. If he's needing help, how do I help him? Not how do I get back at him? How do I get him out of my way? Because I can't stand him. No. You go to God and you entreat, Lord, how can I help him? Tell me the right approach. How do I get in here? And he'll give you, he'll open up his word. He'll give you the perfect understanding. He'll give you the perfect approach. And sometimes the approach, sometimes you have to rebuke him sharply. You have to know how to handle that one. Parents, you, use, you know the wisdom when you're raising children. You know when to and when not to. And see, there's your training ground because that's your church. But what about when you're walking on and you're large in life? You've got to know how to handle a situation according to the mind of God that will rescue that person. Even if it is giving them to God and giving them space to be worked over by God. Because any, any intervention is going to just keep them spinning. So you've got to know exactly how to approach each situation. Sometimes you can sweetly sit down with them once you've prayed. See, you go to the advocate. You're an advocate for them. The advocate is there with the Father, Jesus Christ, and they're, you're all conferring and getting your proper way to proceed and aligning it out so that you'll be successful. You want to reconcile. Do you see the love movement there? The love movement versus the hate. Love is bidding hate. It's very murderous. And I'll get to that. 
All right. And there's none occasion of stumbling. When your love is fully up there, you're not going to stumble, regardless of what comes in front of your face, or become offended to the point where darkness can get a hold of you and start spinning you. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whether he goeth, because that darkness has blinded his eyes. Once you let that thing go, get going in you, you don't know where you're going because you've gone off track. And if you're listening to some other spirit, especially the spirit that comes from darkness, where do you think you're going to end up? Seriously. If you're listening to the spirit of life and the spirit of life, you're going to go to the spirit of life and the spirit of light. If you're listening to this, a spirit from darkness, you're going down. And what does the darkness do? It chases out the light. What does the light do? It chases out the darkness. So we're dividing it out today. All right. So here's the thing that Jesus uh, warned his disciples many times. And I'm going to warn you today. Beware of the leaven. In 1 Corinthians 5 verse 6, your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. You let one little thing. I want to tell you, the scripture says, Satan, he's walking to and fro upon the face of this earth, seeking whom he can devour. So be savvy. Be savvy. Keep yourself full. And if he sees that there's a little something in your nature that he can tweak, if there's still a little working of the flesh going on in there and he can get a foothold in there, he's going to get in there. And if you buy it, he will just take it. Now, see, before leaven is added, leaven is like yeast. It's the yeast you put in bread, bread dough. So before you put that leaven in and you make unleavened bread, it's flat. In other words, it's humble. It's not puffed up. It's humble. It's meek. It's lowly. That's why they had that unleavened bread. That bread that you eat, the word of God. Not the stuff that's had leaven put in it and that's raised up and it puffs up. And the next thing you know, it'll just assert itself right over top of God. So that, why do you think Jesus said, beware of the leaven? Because if you let it get in there, you get a drop of that in there, it's going to go to work. And away you go. Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, fleshly behaviors, fleshly ways of looking at things, fleshly ways of viewing things, that ye may be a new lump as ye are unleavened. You've been cleaned out. Your house has been cleaned. You've been taken down into baptism. God's wiped the slate clean. You're nice and you're unleavened. You don't have the flesh in there anymore. And then your walk from that point is keep that infilling of the Holy Ghost going. Keep that light so bright that that darkness will run away. And learn about the works of the flesh and mortify them. It's an ongoing walk. You daily mortify the deeds of the flesh and you second by second, millisecond by millisecond, bring every thought 
into the obedience of Christ. Bring every thought into captivity and bring it into obedience. And if it's not of God, give it the boot. You're not going to stumble then. You know exactly the format to go through. And you'll know if something's trying to get at you because you're all of a sudden going to get really irked and pissy. And that's what it'll do to you. Purge out therefore the old leaven that ye may be a new lump as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, not like the world does it, not with like the natural mind. Don't view it like the natural mind does. Don't react like the world does. Neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness. That's the first thing that's going to get in there. It's going to get you spun and you're going to start harboring malice and wickedness. And that's not the Lord. But with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Sincerely have that desire to be like the Lord and follow that same example he followed. Jesus speaks of leaven here over in Matthew 16, verse 1. And you're going to see how he handles that leaven and still keeps himself exactly where he needs to be before the Lord. And think about it. You know, he could get really tweaked at any time at some of the behaviors of some of these characters, spirits. But he stays on point. He's got a job to do. And he already knows he's over them, but they reveal themselves. Okay. Now in Matthew 16, verse 1, the Pharisees also with the Sadducees, now here's the religious spirits coming, came and tempting, desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. Here's the operative word, tempting. They came to tempt him. Because they, the religious spirit, it puts on a nice exterior, real cutie pie, real sweetie pie, lovey-dovey-dovey-dovey. That's why you'll see a lot of people, they're just so sweet. Oh, yeah, but what's underneath? So they're being, they're putting on the nicey pie face, but they're there to tempt him. They're there to spy him out and see what they can get on him so they can spin it. And find occasion to attack him, tear him down, and get a rhetoric going, a speech going, a spin going, that will turn people's heart away from Jesus. So they're there to tempt him. So oh, we want a sign. We want a sign from heaven. Like Jesus hasn't already done that for quite some time on the face of the earth. So now they're going, well, we want to see a sign. Uh, actually... How he answers them, he lets them know God's been doing it for a long time too. Because he's still continuing only through a different vessel. He answered and said unto them, When it is evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. In the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. O ye hypocrites. Well, he names them. First thing he does is he names their spirits your phonies. You're phonies, hypocrites. You can discern the face of the sky, but can you not discern the signs of the times? Can't you even discern what's right in front of you, what's happening right now, what God's doing? A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. Now see, he's pointing out spirits. He says, wicked and adulterous generations ask for a sign. 
and there shall no sign be given unto it, but the sign of the prophet Jonah, and he left them. Jesus turned around and he left them and departed. He didn't stop and parley with them. He didn't stop and chit chat with them. He revealed their spirits. He told them, you go work it out. You go read about Jonas. Learn from him. In other words, get in there and dig a little deeper if they would. But he knew he was wasting his time. He knew their nature. So he departed. He got away from them. Mm -hmm. And when his disciples were come to the other side, so Jesus, he just took off. He wasn't going to stick around for that. And when his disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Now, make a note about human nature. They'd done something they thought was wrong. So they're, they've got a guilty conscience here. Underneath the surface, they've got a guilty conscience. So here they are. And Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, being full of the Spirit, what do you think he's talking about? But them, being in their natural mind with natural reasonings, they heard Jesus say this, and they've got a guilty conscience, so what's the first thing that pops up? And they reasoned among themselves, saying, it's because we've taken no bread. Oh no, we're in trouble. Right away, they go, ooh, 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 and their natural mind gets going. Their natural mind gets going. Jesus, they didn't have to say anything out loud or to him, but he perceived it. How did he perceive it? Why? Because he's got God the Father in him. Don't kid yourself. When someone's got the infilling of the Holy Ghost, you better believe God can give them your thoughts. Wonder why all of a sudden they'll be teaching you on something? Well, they know how you stumble, but their hearts are pure, just like Jesus. They're going to give you the answers you need to have, and they're going to endeavor to reconcile you to the truth and keep your light bright and shining. Because they love you. They love you. All right. So there they are. Oh, no. Which Jesus perceived. He said unto them, Oh, ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves because you've brought no bread? What the heck? Do ye not yet understand? Neither remember the five loaves and of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? Like this matters to me whether you brought bread? Really? Do you know what I'm really all about? How is it that ye do not understand? And then he talks about the 7,000. He reminds them of the great miracles and the great faith that he has. And he's not concerned about natural stuff here. How is it that you do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread, natural stuff, that ye should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees? What? Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, spiritually discerned. When something is in front of your face, especially a deity or anointed vessel of God, and they're under that anointing, they are going to endeavor to do one thing, teach you, teach you how to be effective, teach you how to stand, teach you how to win. They're going to teach you how to move forward, how to have victory. They're going to teach you. So are you stumbling 
over something because you've got your natural mind in there or because there's a guilty conscience in there is something else jumping up in the way, diverting you from seeing what is at God is endeavoring to say to you. So that's why it's like every millisecond you keep those thoughts and that thought process in check and in tune with God. And if there's something there that makes you wonder or you're finding yourself getting a little spun, go to God. Don't keep harboring it. Go to God. Get yourself really steadied. But whatever you do, don't become offended because you're losing right then. If you start getting offended and you start thinking about how you feel and how meh, meh, the flesh will whine and whine and whine. Oh my gosh, it's pitiful. So don't, don't pet your flesh. Get before God. I'm giving you some clues here how to handle it. So if you do feel tweaked, stop very quickly. Um, remedy it as quickly as you can. And the remedy is exactly like you saw the formula. Go to God. What are you showing me here, Lord? And go to him in love and humility, not all pissed off. All right. Okay. And Luke 7, 29 and all the people that heard him. Now this is when Jesus was out and he'd been ministering and all, and he's got a huge group there. Okay. Now he didn't waste his time with the Sadducees and Pharisees. He got them summed up really quick. He knew that they were trying to find something on him and he nailed their spirit. Right now, he pointed it out right then and there. They didn't get into fisticuffs, but he just nailed it, nailed it, nailed it. And then he left because he knew their nature. He knew they were, they were just going to be flipping out in their heads. He wasn't going to get anywhere with them. But peradventure, he gave them the answers that they needed. Told, he discerned the spirits that were in front of them. And then he just got out of the way, left them to it and left them to seek out Jonah and seek out those things if they would. But he knew, he knew their nature. And so now he's out amongst a group again, and all the people that heard him and the publicans justified or declared the righteousness of God being baptized with the baptism of John. Now here's a group of people that have been baptized. When they're baptized and they're believing what they're hearing, they're going to start rejoicing and proclaiming the righteousness, and enjoining, and gathering in, and learning, and taking it on. But, here's the big but, the Pharisees and lawyers, experts in the law, they think, oof, puffed up, rejected the counsel of God against or for themselves, being not baptized of him. So what kind of state were they in? They were in the fleshly state with the natural reasonings of the natural mind, which comes, I mean, it is darker than dark. God came to deliver you out from under that, but that's what they did. And the Lord said, whereunto then shall I liken the men of this generation and to what are they like? So here he is, he's going to point out their nature. He's going to teach the people the nature of this religious spirit and the natural mind and all of its reasons and its puffed up state. What are they like? 
They are like unto children sitting in the marketplace, calling one to another and saying, we have piped unto you and you have not danced. We've been playing our instruments and you're not doing what we want you to do and you're, you're not doing it the way we want you to do it at the time that we want you to do it. We're piping away and you're not dancing. Pick, 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 fault find, fault find. Pick, pick, pick. Mm. Yeah. We have mourned to you and ye have not wept. You haven't behaved the way we want you to. All right, so there they are. Hoo, hoo, hoo. You haven't done it the way we've wanted you to do it. You haven't reacted the way we wanted you to react. You need to be like us. You know, you need to do it the way we want you. That's the way the flesh is. The flesh likes to call all the shots. The flesh likes to do it its way and will absolutely get all twisted out of shape if you're not doing it exactly the way the flesh thinks you should be doing it or that individual if they're self-serving. So he says, that's what they're like. He says, for John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and ye say he hath a devil. The son of man is come eating and drinking, and ye say, behold, a gluttonous man and a wine bibbler, a friend of publicans and sinners. You can't win. It doesn't matter what you do. They're going to pick and find fault with it. That natural mind is going to find something it can get pissed at and find fault with. That's why you have to be careful what's happening in a scenario, in a, you know, what, what's happening being presented to your mind. You've got to weigh it out and you've got to clean it out very, very quickly so it doesn't get going. Okay. But wisdom it is justified of all her children. The wisdom of God is going to justify you. The wisdom of man, they'll justify themselves. But the wisdom of God will justify his behavior through you. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. Now here it is, you know what kind of nature. He just described their nature. But this Pharisee asked Jesus to come eat with him. And in this case... And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. He knew the nature there, but he went in there because he was led of the Spirit of God. He was here for a higher calling and a higher purpose. And he went in there and sat down. Watch how it plays out. You're going to see it enacted out. And how with great wisdom and incredible love, Jesus handled it all. Okay, so he sat down to eat. So they're in there in his house. They're sitting down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. Well, obviously this woman has been listening to Jesus. She's been listening to him and following him. And you'll know that by her behavior here and stood at his feet behind him. She didn't go in his face, puffing herself up. Well, I have been listening to you and flaunting herself. No, she came in very quietly, very meekly, very lowly, that unleavened bread behind him, weeping that broken and contrite spirit. 
and began to wash his feet with tears. She began to pour into him and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Isn't that just the most incredible show? But how did the Pharisee see it? Graphic difference here. Now, when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, speaking of Jesus, saw it, he spake within himself. Do you see how they do it? They do it in their own head because they're putting on a show on the outside. They're making you look like you're, they're with you on the outside, all nicey-nicey. And inside, what's going on inside? He spake within himself, saying, huh, if this man... If, spirit of doubt, he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And that's what he was thinking. Well, he's got that nicey pie look on his face. Oh, look at me. I've got Jesus in my house. Mm-hmm. And Jesus, look how he handled it. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And now Simon, he's got to keep the charade up. And he said, Master, say on. See, oh, yes, great master, say on. Well, he's going to get it. So what does Jesus do? He begins to teach in a way that Simon can't say anything here. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him the most? Which one of those two are going to love this, this man the most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he, speaking of Jesus, saith unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned, Jesus turned unto the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. Here they go. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? Oh, my Lord. They don't let up for a minute. That natural mind, that darkness doesn't let up for a minute. It's going to see what angle it can get to get you tweaked. Do you see why you have to be above it? Do you see why you have to take a godly approach to everything. Please, please, please. Ah. Oh. 
And he said to the woman, thy faith have saved thee, go in peace. Now I want to share with you who that woman is. For any of you that didn't know who this woman was and why Jesus went the lengths that he did and suffered with these Pharisees and suffered their ill manners and all of their conjecture, they were getting their heads spun about, but he nailed them. He did it very gracefully. He stayed on point and he never missed the mark as to what he was all about that soul that was meek and humble. If he was all indignant about how he was treated by the Pharisees, he would have missed her. But he wasn't. That wasn't his focus. He knew them. He knew their nature. And he did reveal them if they would receive it. Well, that woman over in John eleven two, it says, it was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. That was Lazarus' sister. So what came from that, that so-called dirty sinner that came in and had the audacity to come into that presence of the Lord? No, it was God and God saw that beautiful, meek, contrite soul. It was about the soul, the human soul, and rescuing those that the Lord brings to you. He didn't have time to be offended by the other ones. He revealed them, but he had a job to do, and he did it, and he did it masterfully, skillfully. Be like him. All right, and see, that's what... Jesus does. We've seen a lot of things. We've seen a lot of things. All right, over in Luke 12, verse 1. In the meantime, they were gathered together in an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch they trod one on top of the other. They were just literally walking on each other. He began to say unto his disciples, first of all, the first thing he warned them about, this is how deadly it is, beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light. And that which ye have spoken in the ear and closets shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. There is nothing God doesn't see. But he is here as an advocate. Every single one of you knows how dearly loved you are. He's here as an advocate to help you. If anything has ever, 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 right up to this very moment, caused you to stumble, he is here to lift that heavy burden off of you and restore you into that beautiful state, that loving, caring, continuing state in him right now. I want you to know that. The incredible love that he has for your souls, he truly, truly understands. That's why he came here. He came here to help the human soul. And he is still here helping the human soul journey through this journey. And each and every one of you is very, very beloved and precious, dearly loved, dearly treasured, and dearly precious. All right. So he says, he's warning them, 
Don't, don't listen to it. Everything's going to be brought out. And I say unto you, my friends, do you see how he spoke to them as friends? Be not afraid of them that kill the body. Don't be afraid of anyone that can kill your fleshly body. And after that, have no more that they can do. They're very limited. They're very limited. But I will forewarn you. This is the, the warning Jesus made. Whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. So do we fear anyone that threatens our physical body? No. We stand fast with the Lord. We will not be moved from who and what we are. We will endeavor to do all that we can to keep you safe and sound in the faith and secure any that are stumbling. We'll do everything we can, but believe me, God is not mocked. I'm going to give you another scenario. Sister Carol was giving me a report of Brother Tom. He went to see his brother, who we prayed for, and they figured he was going to die, so Tom went over and baptized him. They didn't give him much time to live, but he recovered. God blessed him, and now he's in way better health. And Tom went over there to see him. You know, he went over, I think, to one area, and the brother said, well, here, look at me. I, you know, this is what, what's happened in my life, and I'm way better now. And he said, I have this property over in one state that I had, and I had a big boat or a car there, but I don't think, I didn't think I was going to make it. So I had the car brought to me in another state, which was 22 hour drive apart between the two places. So I'm going to fly back and I'm going to get in my car and I'm going to drive it all the way back over to my waterside home because I can play golf now. And he's all excited. And Tom says, you're not going to go by yourself, are you? Oh yeah, it's only 22 hours. <laughs> really? He says, no, 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 no. I'm going to drive with you. Well, God, and because Tom was going, well, nothing's happening here on this trip. What have you got me here for? If you're not seeing fruit, if you're not seeing something come of it, it's like Jesus, when he went into the Pharisee's house, he got something out of it. So Tom's going, I'm not getting anything out of this. This is, why am I, I'm not, I don't want to waste my time. What are you doing here, Lord? And so he says, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to keep pursuing this. He went and they flew together, got the car and they started on the road. So the first thing they did is they, they were praying, they were praying and Brother Tom says, let's go back and forth and let's share because it's just you and I. There's nobody else here. You're, you're in a very safe place. Nobody can hear us. Let's just clear our souls and let's just forgive anything that's ever caused us to be offended. Let's get it out and forgive. And so they went back and forth bringing up anything in their life where they'd been offended by anybody or anything. And they got it out and got rid of it. And then the car, you know, there's more and more spirit moving in then. Once you've got all those little buggy boos, all those little things that have got you tweaked out, just forgive them. Are you big enough to forgive somebody? Even if they come in your face way out of whack and mock you or threaten you or 
Do you have enough love in your heart to forgive them if they've been caught by something that just spun them and spun them and spun them and now they're just out of control and going a very bad route? So they were forgiving and then they're forgiving. And then finally, when that was done, they started getting their prayers out. Well, guess what? Now God can receive and hear their prayers because there's nothing in the way stopping those prayers from being heard. Because if you hold that in your heart, God's not going to receive you. You know, you, you go get that worked out first. So away they go. So they did that for a while. And then while they're doing that, they're saying these prayers back and forth in English. Next thing you know, the spirit shows Tom start praying in tongues. So Tom starts praying in tongues and the brother goes, what the, what's that? And Tom says, no, it's not Latin because the brother was raised Catholic. He says, it's not Latin. And he began to explain tongues to him. He explains how tongues work and what they are. And he says, oh, I can never do that. So, oh, yes, you can. If a syllable comes into your mind, just start saying it out loud. And don't be embarrassed. It's just us. So Tom was speaking in his language before the Lord and the brother was throwing out syllables here and there. But he was making an attempt. He was reaching out. He was trying. And the next thing you know, the syllables began forming words and then sentences. And the next thing you know, he's going, oh, I feel the fire of the Lord. It's filling me. I feel the fire of the Lord. And he's talking a full language in tongues. Do you see the progression there? Clean the house first. Then the light can walk in. Because if there's darkness there, it's just going to counteract the light. It's going to war against the light. It'll snuff it out. So get everything, get your heart clear. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. All right. For, and I'm going down here. For this is the message that you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. There's your key. If something's getting you tweaked, and you're looking sideways, think of those Pharisees and think of the Lord and the outline of the Lord. Keep your love. All right. For this is the message you've heard from the beginning that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one and slew his brother. Well, what you saw is the flesh. Cain had an offering, a fleshly offering. It was earthy and it was what he liked to do, doing it his way. And it was earthy. So the sacrifice he brought before the Lord, it wasn't accepted. But his brother, he offered a spiritual offering. And it was one of, done by the Spirit. And it was accepted of God. But Cain, he slew his brother because he was mad. There was something down in there that made us mad. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil. He was listening to the natural mind and being moved and motivated by that. And his brother's righteous, moved by the spirit of God and moving in that demeanor with that understanding. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. We know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. That's how you'll know you're standing in the true light of God and that love dwells in your bosom. You're going to have that incredible love where you will, you'll even be defrauded if you have to be. 
in order that a brother won't stumble and they'll come forward. You'll go great lengths for them. You'll learn to understand the makeup and behavior of another person. They're not going to be piping when you want them to pipe and dancing when you want them to dance. No, they're going to be led of God individually as individuals working together for that perfect unit. Different makeups, different personalities. Don't let any aspect of it spin you. Married couples, you've run into that when you first get married and you've got two different behaviors and two different makeups and you've got to learn how to blend. But can you do it? If you love each other, you get a hold of the Lord and you have that advocate and you be an advocate and you start working together and the Lord will say, well, why don't you try this approach? Oh, okay. Honey. Honey. Yeah. Woohoo. It works. There is a remedy. There is an answer. Remember that. So get to know each other. Even siblings. Some of them have different makeups, different desires. Get to know one another by the spirit and make sure your love is so great. You go those distances as you grow and learn. You've got to be very large. To oversee a, a, a group of people, you have to be very large. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to go over to Matthew 5.21. You have heard that is said by them of old time, thou shalt not kill, and whoever, whosoever shall kill shall be in the danger of the judgment. Now you can kill in a lot of ways. There's many varying degrees. And if you keep going down that path, it can literally get you to the point where it can actually be a physical thing. So don't let anything escalate your soul at all. But if you're trying to cause a stumbling for a brother, or you've got an anger that's gotten to the point where you've just literally, that love is gone, you're in danger here. You're in danger. So get it cleared up really quick. I say, and whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Raka means when you imply that someone is empty or worthless. It's a term of utter vilification. Don't be thinking that about the brethren. It's a scary place to be. Fool means they're not pious. They're godless. Fool is indicating they're godless. Be careful. Piety is a reverence for the supreme being. Love of his character, loving obedience to the will of God, and an earnest devotion to his service. A brother or a sister or soul through their journey may get caught in something. But it doesn't mean their heart isn't still desiring the Lord. They just got caught in something. So how are you going to treat them? Start hating them? Or are you going to go to the Lord and intercede for them and inquire of the Lord, how can I reconcile this? And I would guarantee, uh, say reconcile quickly. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar... And there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee. Leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother. And then come and offer thy gift. You get it worked out here. 
here and here. Get your heart reconciled. Forgive them whatever offense you think was there. And I'm going to put it that way. Whatever offense you think was there, just get rid of it. Let it go. And then get before God and get the answers. Those of you that have ever had a tiff and you've worked it out, you know there is an answer. There's always an answer. The answer is the Lord. Okay. Galatians 6, 7, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. To mock means to treat with scorn or contempt, to deride. It will literally take you right out if you listen to those things. So go back to that first example of what Christ came here to do and do the check. Do the check. Yep. All right, I'll give you another outline very quickly. I'm not going to keep you too long. So God's not mocked. All right, so here's Peter lining it out for them because he, he's watching all these things. The same thing that we're all observing on the face of this earth. You're going to observe it through your walk. You got to know how to handle it, how to approach it like Jesus did. Get a hold of him. He'll help you through that journey. So Peter's saying, okay, in 1 Peter verse 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Look, we've been given these incredible promises. But I want you to make note of the next statement that's made. That by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. You've got all these promises. And by that, you might. That means you got to do something in order to get it having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence to your faith, add to your faith virtue. So you've got faith, now add virtue. That virtue means, and I'm going to give you Strong's definitions, use it, mark it, and examine. Manliness, valor, that means be like Christ. We showed how to do that. That is excellence, praise, and virtue. A virtuous course of thought, feeling, and action. Are your thoughts, are your feelings, and are your actions virtuous? Moral goodness, moral excellency, modesty, purity. Is that what's going on in here? Do I have virtue in my soul right now? And to virtue, once you've got that, you've got your faith, now you've added virtue, and to virtue, knowledge. Definition of knowledge. Knowledge signifies in general intelligence, understanding. In general knowledge of Christian religion. The deeper, more perfect and enlarged knowledge of this religion, such as belongs to the more advanced. Well, do you want to advance? Or do you want to just surface it off? Take the fluff. Go in deeper. Get a deeper knowledge of what God is doing in your life. Get a deeper knowledge of what, is, what you're being used for and what's playing out in front of you. Get a deeper knowledge. Especially of things lawful and unlawful for Christians. That means discernment. What's lawful and what's unlawful? Moral wisdom, such as is seen in right living. What's right and what's wrong. Line it up. Okay, so now you've got faith, you've got virtue. 
to knowledge, add temperance. Whoa, that's a biggie. I love this one. The meaning of temperance is self-control. Self-control told you to get off that. The virtue of one who masters his desires and passions, especially his sensual appetites. You have self-control over it. And that includes all of those workings of the flesh, including anger. You control it. Self-control told you, yep, virtue and desires, passions, especially sensual appetites. Now to temperance, patience. Oh my gosh, does it take patience? Do you think we've ever had to exercise any patience? I, it was interesting. I did call somebody and I said, well, you know, they were having to bear with somebody that was having to overcome something. And it was kind of repetitive that they were having to help them. Okay, now here we are and pointed out. And here we are and pointed out. And okay, steady, steady, steady. Good job. Not a bad job. Good, good, good parents. I think you know this one. And it's a repetitive thing. And you have to have patience. All right, patience. But here's the key to patience. Cheerful or hopeful endurance, continuance and waiting. You gotta be cheerful and hopeful and endure and continue with it. Steadfastness, constancy, endurance. The characteristic of a man who is not swerved from his deliberate purpose. Remember that first outline? Don't be moved, don't be swerved. And his loyalty to faith and piety by even the greatest trials and sufferings. No matter how great they are, don't be moved off course. Keep your love, keep your focus, keep lined up with that outline. Go right back to it. If it's got you beside yourself, time out. I'm out. I, I, I just need a break. I'm going to go pray through. I'll go for a walk and get before the Lord. Or I'll go out into this quiet place and sit there and get before the Lord and pray. You know, there's a lot of quietness. That tongue gets cut off. Don't race ahead in all your speech and your rattling head. Stop. Get quiet. Go in deeper. Get to understand it from God's vantage point. It helps. To patience, godliness, piety, specifically the gospel, piety, reverence, respect towards God, holiness, reverence, respect. Oh, well, there it is. Reverence and respect towards God and to this Holy Spirit. If, if your brother is standing in front of you, who's standing in front of you? So have reverence and respect and regard and then go to the Lord if something you don't understand or it seems a little off, go to God and ask, what are you showing me here? What are you teaching me here? How do I approach this? How do I handle this? And he, he has all the answers. So if you believe him and you're going in the right spirit and you don't have any ought going on in your own heart, he's going he's gonna to accept you. And, and if you do have art, you say ought, he says, well, go get rid of your ought. You mend fences here. Now, you put a fence up against somebody, go, go break down that fence and mend it up. You know, get rid of the offense. Oh, fence. <laughs> yeah, I just made an indicator of a line drawing a fence. So, all right. Don't draw any fences that blocks off the love, love flow of the spirit. Okay. 
and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. And charity is that demonstration, not just talk, but the demonstration of love being played out in your actions, in your behavior. And God will show you the approach. Sometimes you need to withdraw yourself and be quiet. You know, there's different scenarios. God will show you which one's going to work. So just follow his instruction and he will guide you perfectly through your walk. Just do your check. Do your check. Okay. What happens if you don't stop leaven? Jude 1 verse 10. But these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally is brute beasts, and those things they corrupt themselves. You're listening to the natural mind. That brute beast is that natural mind, that beastly behavior, and it will corrupt you. Woe or destruction unto them, for they've gone the way of Cain. We talked about Cain. And ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward, and perished in the gainsaying of Kor. Now, those are behaviors there that will take you right out and you'll go right into that. You'll be petting your own flesh and digging yourself a deeper, deeper hole. These are spots at your feast of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. You'll lose that reverence and respect for God. You'll lose the fear of God. Clouds they are without water. The water of the word leaks out. It leaks out and you, you're not getting the interpretation anymore. Carried about of winds, spun doctrine, spun rhetoric, spun reasonings, trees whose fruit withereth. They had fruit at one time, but it'll wither away if you keep listening to it. If you keep going down that route without fruit, well, then it drops off. There's no fruit left. Twice dead. You died once. He's talking about a soul that died once in baptism and rose again and then allowed their soul to die the second time by having the light and life removed from them by that darkness, those spirits. Twice dead, plucked up by the roots. They had a root that went down into Christ, but they've allowed that darkness to come in and it will pluck them right out of that rock, Christ Jesus. So how earnest should every soul be to make sure there's nothing down in there? Root it out, because that is the end result. Raging waves of the sea, all oh, raged, foaming out their own shame. Wandering stars, there's no guidance then. They're just going to wander. They won't have the leading of the Holy Ghost because they've snuffed it out. To whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. See, that darkness, if you let it take root, it's going to take, it, take you on its course. So you go down into darkness. It behooves you to clear your soul continually, forever. And Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches with un which ungodly sinners have spoken against him, against the Lord." These are murmurers, 
complainers. Walking after their own lusts, I want it this way. And their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having man's person in admiration because of advantage. Proverbs 26, 11, as a dog returneth to its vomit, so a fool returneth to his folly. Well, I know that Jesus had the 70 when he gave them a speech that was had to be spiritually discerned. They stumbled over it. They said, this is hard to be understood. And they walked away from Jesus because they didn't understand Jesus's makeup, his behavior, his speech, what he was trying to get them to perceive. And he tried to break it down for them, but they wouldn't stick around to learn it. The other ones stuck with them. And they went back from that time, the, all those 70, they turned around, they went back and walked no more with them. And then Jesus turned to the 12 and said, will ye go away also? I mean, he'd seen it, done it, been through it. He said, are you going to go too? Then Simon Peter answered him. Why don't you think about this? Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Who are you going to go to? If you've been given the spirit of truth and the light of God, who exactly are you going to turn to? Yep. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And I'm going to close with this. 2 John 1, 9 through 11. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God, he that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God's speed. For he that bideth him God's speed is partaker of his evil deeds. That's when there's just been, there's no, there hasn't been a recovery. When there's a recovery, it's different, and you will know it. I know this was a very weighty message, but obviously, because of what's been loosed across this land, it is fearful, and you really do need to have your guidelines sharpened, the fear of the Lord really well established in you, because it will keep your path on point. So continue therein. Love one another with a fervent love. And if you feel it slipping, get in before God until it's fervent and passionate. And you don't even care about your own little wimpy wimps and whinies and anything else. You'll gladly go before them. And I have had times where I've gone before people and apologized for something I really didn't need to apologize for, but I knew they could stumble over it. I wasn't apologizing for the Lord, but I, I knew that they could stumble over something. And rather than have them stumbled, do you think I need to beat my chest? No, I am the Lord's. I answer to him, God the Father, if I please him, but I am not gonna let one stumble. I'll gladly go and say, I am so sorry. And I have done that. And it's won the brother to my heart, knowing that I, I'm not, because there's a lot of power and anointing with this position. 
There's a lot of power and anointing with what you've been given. You've got to know how to handle it and make sure it's not going to cause anybody to stumble. And if they're weak, strengthen them. And as they grow, then they'll understand what you did and said and whatever. But in the interim, I look at each individual and I tender over them before the Lord. What do they need? How can I help? And if they need a boop, boop on the hinder, you know, a little paddle on the butt, then whatever is needed, and it can be spiritually. So love one another. I'm thankful that we do have an advocate. I'm watching many rising up very strong in this room that will fight and defend the true gospel, fight for one another, keep this church strong, keep the body of Christ strong, keep the love flamed, because then God will come in and he'll chase the darkness out of the room. And the room will be filled with light. Start with the room in here, in your own vessel. Get it just blazing and keep going, keep going. So you got your roadmap. I love you all very dearly. Wasn't that incredible? Uh, please do yourself a favor. If you'd like, go to getyourloveon.org. Every show is archived there. That was a lot of meat that was given out. And so if you'd like to review today's show or prior shows, please do that at getyourloveon.org. Road to righteousness tends to be long So keep your love on, on Crack yourself a smile or sing a song But I keep my love on Man or woman, man or woman who is so down Try keep your love on, on Sons and daughters, sons and daughters of the one true God Keep your love on Keep your love on, child Let it shine bright Bright, bright Keep your love on, 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 on Don't let it die, don't let it die, don't let it die, no, no mean it's wrong I keep my love on if I were you and I'm a simple singer but my heart and mind are strong I keep my love on yes I do you must dream in color ask your questions cause life does not give honorable mentions thinking more than two dimensions in case your tightrope loses tension Ever you need a friend mm, You know I will And I'll be here too To lend a friendly hand So you, so you can keep your love on child Let it shine bright Bright, bright Keep my love on
Don't let it die, let me tell you why right now